0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The French election that brought the first socialist, François Hollande, to the presidency since François Mitterrand resigned in 1995, has the potential to significantly reshape the future of France and the Eurozone. Many observers predict, however, that Aland will be too hemmed in by Eurozone debt and critical political relations with Germany to usher in large changes. Yet, if Greece drops out of the Eurozone, as many believe is increasingly possible, then all bets are off. In that case, Hollande would gain a huge bargaining advantage over Germany in his efforts to tamp down austerity policies and introduce more growth-oriented policies within the currency union. Wharton management professor Vitold Hennis discusses these and related ideas with knowledge at Wharton in this podcast. Vit, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: No, it's a pleasure. Wanted to you get your reaction to the French and Greek elections this weekend. Uh, what do they say about the backlash against austerity? Well, there's certainly a
2: signal uh, that European voters uh, feel that they've been asked to sacrifice uh, a great deal, and uh, they want a different political direction in the future.
1: Uh, Ali Ren, who is the, who's the uh, EU's top economic figure, now says that uh, Euro countries may need to loosen their strict budget limits. Uh, what uh, policy changes do you think uh, Europe needs to make a difference?
2: Well, there's increasing evidence that the austerity programs that have been enacted uh, have contributed to the start of a double dip recession uh, in many European countries, uh, most clearly in the United Kingdom, but across the continent as well. And so I think there's a, a recognition that a, a different path forward uh, needs to be taken. Uh, the challenge, of course, is that they have uh, limited room for maneuver. Uh, the debt-to-GDP uh, ratios are quite high, uh, over 90% already in France. Uh, and so there's a limited amount of um, uh, fiscal loosening uh, that's possible. Uh, and even François Hollande uh, in his uh, platform uh, recognized this. He talked about hiring new teachers, but he talked about shifting uh, existing jobs or shifting existing funds. It wasn't actually a stimulus package. Uh, so I think there's a, a clear sense that a different direction is needed, a clear desire for fiscal loosening, uh, but limited uh, leeway uh, for a dramatic program.
1: Well, speaking of France, uh, uh, the business community and markets have been somewhat disappointed with uh, François Hollande's victory. Uh, what tools do you think he could use to bring about growth both within France and at the Europe level?
2: Well, I think it's it's important uh, as we look ahead to think about whether um, the French debate and the French policies will be stage one or act one or act two. Uh, focus immediately is going to be on Greece uh, with the uncertainty surrounding the election there. And uh, in the papers today and in the news today, it seems increasingly likely that a hardline position could be taken by a number of European countries against Greece. If, um, you know, at the extreme, Greece were to leave the euro uh, in the coming weeks or months, uh, France's negotiating position would dramatically improve. Uh, I think it's very different for Hollande and for France if they're part of an anti austerity. Uh, group negotiating against Germany uh, versus whether Greece has already left and Germany has to, to make a decision about how far it's willing to go in, in dividing Europe and how much further the division of Europe is going to proceed. Uh, so I think it's very difficult at this point uh, with the uncertainty ahead of us to to understand which of those two paths will play out.
1: You know that, that that's interesting. You know, uh, especially when it comes to Germany and France's relations with, with Germany. Uh, Sarkozy had such a good relationship with uh, Angela Merkel, Uh, do you think that uh, uh, Holland will be able to bridge uh, the, the differences between Germany and get Germany to do what it needs to do to contribute to a solution? I think um,
2: what's been interesting to watch over the past few years is uh, German, uh, German government's increasing willingness to assert what is in its interest uh, and uh, to not always feel that it has to conform or not stand out. Um, that's been a new role for it in Europe and foreign policy and economic policy. Um, But if you look at the European economy today, I think it's increasingly evident that uh, Germans' uh, push for austerity is not actually in Europe's interest nor in Germany's interest. And so the question will be whether Hollande can uh, contribute to a compromise uh, in which Germany acting in its own interest, not in the interest of France, uh, sees the need for greater fiscal stimulus, greater monetary loosening, uh, and works forward towards some compromise. Um, I think the prospects are there, uh, they're certainly in the past. Uh, France has only had one socialist government in the post-war period, that of Mitterrand. Jacques Delors was the finance minister uh, during that period and, and pushed for uh, difficult compromises on the French part and on the European part to move forward in the creation of a single currency. It's n- not out of the bounds of uh, possibility at all for Hollande to replay that role. Uh, for a socialist who came in campaigning uh, on the need for a different program to tack back towards Europe, I think that's a both countries' long-term interests. But it will require a compromise on both parts, uh, and a difficult one. Um, and again, I think one that will be made easier uh, if they're not packaged or grouped with Greece.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Greece, um, you, you refer to the fact that uh, uh, you know they, they've had some uh, huge difficulties in, in dealing with the austerity. And certainly, you see that in all the demonstrations on the streets. Do you think one possible option there might be for countries like Greece, perhaps Italy, uh, Spain to temporarily drop out of the Eurozone and then rejoin once uh, their economies are in better shape? I
2: think that what's interesting is we now have a um a willingness to talk about these countries even leaving the euro, and I, I hadn't heard discussion uh, or considered discussion about them leaving and coming back, but as of you know, six months, maybe 12 months ago, uh, you still the consensus seemed to be, you know, it's not possible or the costs are too high, uh, and now there have been a number of prominent uh, academics, policymakers, business leaders saying, you know, no, there is a path, uh, and here it is, and here's what it would take. Um, I even uh, there was even a contest with a relatively large cash prize for the best multi-stage plan for how Greeks could exit uh, the euro. Um, I think honestly, if they do exit, what's been made evident about the, the structural differences in the economy is that uh, it may not be in their interest to, to be in the euro. I think the, the question is now: Are the costs of leaving so great that they shouldn't do it? Once out, I very much doubt that they would uh, go back in within a you know, 10 to 20-year time span, uh, maybe 10-year time span.
1: Oh, well, if if one were to say that austerity has de- definitely failed and, and what Europe needs to do is get back on the path to growth, the big question is how would that be funded? Uh, do you believe euro bonds might be a possible solution? And do you think Germany might agree to that solution? I think this is, uh, again. Yeah.
2: We don't have a clear path forward on the on the source of the funding uh, for the fiscal stimulus. Um, uh, could we see something um, uh, more akin to the quantitative easing in the United States? Uh, could we see uh, new bond packages with? Um, uh, focus on infrastructure some of the issue is europe hasn't lagged behind the us as much hasn't uh, lagged in its infrastructure spending as much as the united states has so it's not clear what the targets of a of a large scale european wide investment program would be um, I think if you're going to go down that path, you'll certainly have to see some uh, compromise from France, from Spain, from Italy on labor market reform, uh, on the kind of policies that have been the discussion of uh, the Lisbon summit and multiple summits about what it takes to, to push forward European growth. So a stimulus would have to be married to that to have any chance of getting German support. Um, under those conditions, I think it's possible. But uh, again, that's a difficult compromise on both sides.
1: Is there, are there any specific steps that could help promote job growth especially among young people um, I, I think
2: an infusion of funds into training program into more into the vocational education into training into placements um, uh, you know could be uh, could be helpful in that regard but there are deep-seated structural rigidities in the labor markets. Uh, Youth unemployment was dramatically higher in France and Italy and Spain and the United States prior to the crisis. It's been aggravated by the crisis. But it's not the crisis alone that's caused the high youth unemployment rates. And so I think at at that level, when you're talking about Structural issues, it, we have to go beyond a short-term fiscal stimulus. We really need to change uh, the structure of the labor markets, make them more flexible, more responsive, um, provide less benefits to incumbents, uh, especially in the area um, of retirement and pensions, uh, to ch- and change the cost of hiring and firing workers. But that's not going to happen in weeks or months. In weeks or months, you could see investment programs. Um, you could see uh, uh, stimulus for vocational education. Uh, you could see, uh, I, I think these are the kind of you know incentives to hire, incentives for small business to hire, uh, the kind of short-term fixes. Uh, but the youth unemployment is a longer-term issue, and it's one Europe's been struggling with for uh, 20 years.
1: Well, one final question, Veet. Um, uh, I'd like to ask you what do you think might be the best solution for Europe, but that might be an optimistic way of framing the question. So let me ask you this. What's the least op- uh, least horrible way forward for Europe? Uh,
2: the least horrible way forward has to be a combination of uh, short-term stimulus and long-term structural reform. Um, unfortunately, as, as we've managed a, a halfway decent short-term stimulus in the United States but haven't yet tackled the long-term structural reform issues. Um, so the, the likely outcome is uh, some compromise on the short term without dealing with the underlying long-term issues. It's kicking the can further down the road. Um, The problem isn't really going to be getting any smaller, but at some point we're going to have to deal with it. Um, Most optimistically, it would be great if Europe took upon itself this opportunity to grapple with these challenges. I'm not optimistic that that will happen. We Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.